Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, we take a look at the new virtual testing lab from Swedish protection company MIPS. Also, we are joined by a special guest, Nora Bave, general partner at Unconventional Ventures. Uh, she joins us to talk about the new startup funding report that they released last week. I'm Conrad Olson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm joined with my good friends Roland Philipp Ketchmar, Editor-at-Large for Future and Digitization, and our Junior Editor Erik Sedin. Hey guys, how are you doing? Hey, doing well. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> morning. I always, I always need to, to remind Erik to, to clear your throat before we're recording this on Friday mornings. Uh, no, that's so, true. I'm uh, mute now for uh, my rules. <laughs> Post reminder. No, don't mute. Don't mute. We're going to start the show like we always do with our little armchair travel in the uh, the world of Scandinavia. Uh, we are we are releasing our our new uh, weekly guide this this week today in the newsletter. Uh, Eric, where are we traveling to today? Uh, we're going to, or we have been going to, the high coast or the Höga Kusten, uh, as it's called. It's a it's a part of northern Sweden uh, on the east coast. Uh, it's a guide written by Maria Oman, who's the uh, head of communi- communications at uh, Herne Gin, which is, you know, if you're a gin connoisseur, this should definitely ring a bell or two. It's, it's, I, I love the fact that we are traveling to to uh, Höga Kusten, uh, the high coast. It's kind of like an in-between area in, in Scandinavia. People, you know, uh, uh, associate us perhaps with the Scans, uh, our own mountains. But this it's just a beautiful part and uh, very close to heart because this is where you drive through if you drive up to my hometown, Umeå. Uh, Roland, have you been to the high coast? Never, ever. But I, I'm longing Come to. Come on. I know. I know, but I'm Swiss, so you know I went. Where I, I've been going to the Alps. Is that a good wow. excuse? It's not a good excuse from a Scandinavian mind perspective. So uh, check out our uh, latest guide. Do we have any special uh, uh, gems in the Höga Kusten that, that came out of this guide, Eric? Any any uh, favorites from the from the guide? Uh, like you said, it has a. You have a personal connection to it. I do too. My grandparents are well. My whole family is from Anschlussvik, which is located in the heart of Hagakusten. So I could have written this guide myself, and I'm gonna tell you, she has uh, <laughs> she has uh, guided us through some great spots. Skulebergiet is, of course, the uh, mm. the main thing because this is like Sweden. I feel like Norway. They got hold of the best mountains and you know like these dramatic pointy mountains at least is is Kusten like a, a a fjord light can we can we call it that yeah it's a poor man's version but <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we're underselling it it's, it's beautiful scenery and uh, as you say i think this going to happen a lot with sort of the north of sweden in the next coming years you know, obviously yes, we have yes. the you know the North Vault factory is established in Skellefteå. That's uh, above the high coast. It's not part of it, but it, like you know, I've always said the last few years also with with what's happening in the world with uh, the rising temperatures and so forth. I mean, I, I would buy property. I would buy land. I would buy uh, uh, summer houses alongside the rivers in in Norrland in the north of Sweden. I think within the next like 10, 15, 20 years. 
the, these properties are just going to go up. The, the scenery is beautiful and the demand from, from uh, like Germans and other parts of Europe, I think just gonna, it's just going to go up. Yes, definitely. And I was there, I can just say, a personal experience from this summer. I went kayaking in Hagakusten. Uh, that was an amazing experience because you're in these, like, uh, the water was kind of, you know, chill and kind of still, but you still mm. have these dramatic mountains just surrounding you. So mm. you should but definitely should they, go with Olan. Shouldn't we do a conference up there then? Definitely. We should. We should. Definitely. All right, moving on to our first uh, sort of bigger story here. I just want to share a little report from my visit to MIPS. I mentioned this in the last episode. I was going to MIPS Protection. Uh, MIPS is one of these super interesting Swedish sort of innovation companies that grew out of uh, KTH, the Royal Institute of Technology, and some, some researchers there. It's been around for 15, 16 years or so. And uh, what they're actually doing is they have a, a unique sort of helmet technology. So they're working with all these sort of helmet suppliers of the world, whether it be like motorcycle helmets, uh, ski helmets, bicycle helmets. Um, and what they're really doing is sort of they're mimicking the, the, the natural uh, composition of the, the human skull and brain of sorts. And... Uh, what most people don't know is all pretty much all concussions comes out of this sort of rotating impact. Uh, it, so it used to be that when you tested helmets uh, previously, you just tested with like a full frontal impact. Whereas most of the, the uh, uh, accidents happen when you're sort of rolling around in the air or just f- falling and so forth at, at sort of angles that, that are uh, harder to predict. And the MIPS technology uh, releases the impact on the brain. I'm not sure I'm giving it a good uh, um, a description there. But yeah, you are. I think I've read about them too. I know they're world leading in this technology now. And uh, like if you, if you like me, sometimes you might look at boxing or UFC. Usually when people go down, when they get knocked, uh, knocked out, is when they hit the jaw or when they do uppercuts. So the skull mm. moves in some way, it rotates mm. in some way. That's where the brain really takes the most damage. But did, didn't this uh, technology um, didn't it get deployed first in ski helmets, or am I wrong here? I think they started there. I'm I'm not sure. I at least for now they are uh, on a, on a really broad uh, set of different types of helmets. And what was cool because I visited their new testing facility in Tabby outside of Stockholm, and it really felt like walking into sort of. A, uh, the quartermaster of the James Bond movies or something, uh, people in, in sort of lab coats in this enormous high ceiling facility, all white with different contraptions, uh, pretty much um, simulating various kinds of impacts on helmets. So any MIPS type helmet that's sold all uh, in the world goes through this testing facility. Uh, super cool. Uh, and uh, what MIPS are saying, and it's very sort of delicate because they're sold in the US, so they can't really say that they are more safe than other technologies. It's the, 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 all, the, all the sort of sayings are like it's designed for uh, <laughs> helping impact and so forth because they don't want to get sued. Um, but and, and sort of the message that they want to bring out there is that, uh, you know, it, it's very much about this sort of rotating or these different angles of impact, which is responsible for pretty much all types of concussions. 
uh, that happens, and and the MIPS technology sort of relieves that. So how but did you did... test it, Conrad? Did you get get into accidents <laughs> or? <laughs> I have I have a severe headache today. No, 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 no. I was not able to test it myself. What I was able to do though was have a look at their new sort of virtual testing lab, which they are releasing at the big uh, motorcycle fair in in Mil- Milan next week. Uh, the fair that I the name escapes me now. I've never been there. First time I heard about it. Um, they're releasing a virtual testing lab. So uh, what these guys have been doing, and these three guys that came out of the Royal Institute of Technology still uh, engaged in the company, they have built kind of like a, a, a new way of constructing a 3D model of the brain, um, which they are now able to simulate uh, these impacts in a virtual environment. Super cool. Uh, so basically what they're doing is they, they take their own brain simulation, which they have developed uh, very, it was weird listening to it because they actually went to the US and testing this on, on uh, human uh, bodies that have been donated for science and so forth. Pretty uh, macabre. Uh, but but um, so they're doing it. So the, the, the helmet suppliers, they're able to upload uh, CAD drawings of their helmets with, with kind of information of the materials that they're using. They're applying this to the, this virtual brain, and then they're uh, sort of testing it. They're testing the impact in a virtual uh, world, and this is launching now uh, next week. Cool. Yeah, super cool, and I, I think it also implies something. I mean, what they're doing right now is they're um, they're pretty simulating the same types of impacts that they're doing in the physical world. But what this sort of implies for um, the long term is we're able to simulate much more realistic environments. So let's say you they have this sort of, you know, their own version of the, the metaverse of sorts in a testing lab, and they can simulate uh, car crashes, motorcycle crashes, uh, different types of impacts of trees or whatever in the ski slopes. So it kind of opens up to a new, whole new world where we can develop safer equipment for, for our activities in ways that we couldn't do in, in the physical uh, space. Well, what's the ownership structure behind MIPS? Uh, do you know? I'm not, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I know they were actually having investment meetings in, in a back room. Uh, I know they're growing really rapidly. So it's one of those sort of startup innovations. Uh, I know they have some a few funds. I know Spiltanfonder is one of the investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I obviously believe that the founders are, are still present in the company. So it's uh, kind of one to watch in terms of uh, Scandinavian innovation companies. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right, we are now joined by our special guest, Noura Bave, general partner at Unconventional Ventures. Welcome, Noura. Thank you so much for having me. It's so, so great Noura. to have you. Yeah, sorry, sorry, take it away, Roland. Okay, um, so, so Noura, for our listeners out there, who are you? Who am I? So if but we're focused on the title today. I'm a general partner at Unconventional Ventures, a Nordic VC focusing on impact tech startups built by diverse founders because we believe that the future that we want to be part of is both sustainable and equal. And in order to do that, we have to have more diverse teams building innovations. So basically, this implies that the market is not, um, let's say, equal or... Um 
diverse. I mean, could you explore a little bit? Uh, I mean, where where did you start with with this? Uh, I mean, with the unconventional ventures, but also with the report that you published um, a week or two ago. Yes. So uh, when it comes to our strategy, we've been knowing and seeing for years how amazing founders are being overlooked. So we call them both overlooked and underventured. There's this uh, you know, you, global number stating that around only 2% of venture capital goes to female founders. Hmm. And when we look into other identity metrics as ethnicity, race, uh, as some say in the U.S., um, we see that it's even lower. Mm. And it's been like that for many, many years. And this is actually creating not only, you know, an unequal uh, society, but it's affecting the innovations and products and services that we're seeing. And it's affecting the problems that, you know, we desperately need solutions on. Um, they're not getting funded. And we've been perceiving the Nordics as the most gender equal region in the world. Well, I'm sorry to burst the bubble, it's not. Hmm. Um, in our report that we launched last um, uh, two weeks ago, or is it a week ago, sorry, uh, it clearly stated that we've been going backwards. Last year, only 1% of the capital went to female founders, or sorry, the previous report, only 1% of the capital went to female founders. Last year, 2020, record-breaking years, only 0.7% of the capital went to female founders. How's that for equality? Wow. So, so Nora, why do you think um, this is that? I mean, could you elaborate a little bit uh, on on, uh, why do we see these figures? Well, it's it's well if we if we attack the heart of the problem is that the lack of representation. Mm-hmm. We don't understand and we mirror ourselves. That's one of the, I would say, uh, primarily issues is that we mirror ourselves in founders. And because of the lack of representation at decision makers, check writing decision makers in the VC space are not represented enough. There's a huge homogeneous. Uh, we're missing out on important uh, solutions based on not understanding and getting getting founders the capital they need at early stages. Obviously, there's a pipeline problem at later stages if we don't keep investing early stages. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to if we look at it from a gender perspective, you know, we've been hear- hearing a lot of myths, a lot of myths around women not being, you know, at building scalable companies, building women not pitching confident enough, women not asking for bigger checks. These are all, you know, part of structures that and, and, and biases that we need desperately attack because as you know, 2030 is around the corner and we have global challenges we need solving. We need more, you know, I, I use as an example, as you've probably seen, I mean, for the last few years, obviously with the pandemic, everything accelerated, but the pandemic really demonstrated, you know, if we join forces and really see the benefits of different kind of solutions that we're all for it and we can uh, address those challenges. And I mean, it is it, the society that we want to be part of, you know, do we need more food service within 10 minutes? Is that <laughs> the society we want to build? Or do we really want to focus on, you know, uh, food waste as an example, right? Mm. We, we talk about circular economy, great, but shouldn't we attack, you know, the very core of the consumer behaviors instead, instead of just focusing on, you know, 
getting people to consume more in different ways. So these are, you know, kind of the things that we want to ask the the VC industry that for in order to solve the real challenges, we also need to have people with different perspectives, with different ideas that come into place that also get funded for it mm. based on, you know, different metrics because the metrics that we're looking at today they're really built for one type of founder and we're forcing women different ethnicities you know sexual orientation and so far into a, a mold that is only for one kind of founder and what's that mold then oh it's a white young men <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> okay. uh and i can say that because the data demonstrates And if we look at the so-called Silicon Valley model, which is not that old, and I think that we have to understand that, you know, the, the, the model was there at a certain amount of time, but the data that we have today is based on where the capital is going. So this, there's this catch-22, right? Of course, the data is going to say the most successful uh, entrepreneur is a white male founder in his early 30s that have experience from other tech companies or other mm. you know scale up companies because that's where the funding is going. Yeah. Nora, can you talk at all about how you developed this report? Uh, how long have you been working on it and and some of the partners that you're working with as well? There's a quite a list of logos in the beginning of this report. So talk about the sort of collaborative uh, efforts of, of this report. Sure, obviously. So this is the third report that we've done. We think it's super important to, I mean, there's this saying, what gets measured gets done, right? So I think it's super important to understand with the data, you know, we claim to be data-driven, so let's be data-driven. And we have to understand our behaviors. So for the last three years, we've taken a temperature of the funding gap, really looking where capital is being allocated. This year, We knew, you know, for the third time, especially with the pandemic where everything has accelerated, uh, we knew we have to have, you know, in terms of the right partners that can send the message because this is an ecosystem problem that needs an ecosystem solution. So we have the amazing team at uh, European Investment Bank being part of the analysis. We have the amazing team of UBS that obviously is a wealth management Uh, and it's within that ecosystem. We obviously have Nordic Innovation, which is the Nordic task force for governmental uh, activities and projects from a Nordic perspective. And we have the Swedish uh, regional uh, growth agency, Tillväxtverkets startup uh, focused area, which is Startup Sweden, that is part of this. Because as you know, Sweden is the, the biggest market Um, in in the Nordics, but also Sweden is you know perceived as the next unicorn maker or the current unicorn maker compared to uh, Silicon Valley uh, and the amount of unicorns per per um, per capita. I think it's it's said. Um, so therefore, it was really important to have those as an ecosystem, you know, uh, stakeholders. And we got this year um, uh, Invest Europe to share their data on the VC industry, really demonstrating that the biases that are you know, tagging with female founders, as an example, is also very much kicking in alive around female fund managers. But because you could see that it's the same behavior. Women-led uh, funds in the VC space are mm -hmm. around 5%. 
but they only allocate 1% of the capital in Europe. That's very interesting. And, and uh, among their investments, do we see a higher percentage of investments to uh, female founders then from, from female-driven uh, female VCs or...? Uh, some, yes. So uh, last year, we could find a correlation between, you know, the more diverse the investment team is, the, most, the more likely they are to invest more diverse. What mm -hmm. we can see also with the U.S. Uh, report uh, that did uh, take a look into this is that it showed clearly that female-led funds are three times more likely to invest in female founders. So it kind of, you know, reproves or, you know, uh, cements that the more diversity you have, the more diverse investment you're likely to make. Well, it goes to the point that this is a sort of an ecosystem problem. Um, I have another question, and I'm going to let in Eric, who has a few questions as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious about comparing countries. Obviously, we're called Scandinavian Mind. We look at the Nordic uh, sector. Can you talk at all about how this differs between the Nordic countries? Because it, it does quite a lot if you look at Finland or Norway and Sweden and Denmark. How, this, how, how, how do they compare? Well, I mean, yes, they compare uh, very different, uh, and I'll go, go into that, but I also want to say that for that very reason, because also when we look at the Nordic markets, the biggest markets besides the European uh, Nordic markets, and the markets that Nordic founders are next to reach are hmm. UK, France, and Germany. So we took a, hmm. a deep dive into those markets as well for this year's report. But as an example for the Nordics, I mean, Denmark has been the the market that has been um, really missing out on potential, uh, but has actually approved a little bit. It's not good with 1%, but it's better than 0.5%. Sweden, particularly, for 2020, only invested 0.53% of the capital last year. So, um, and, and we're kind of disappointed because um, you had Norway uh, with a little bit more percentage. They were 0.1 this year for female founders. But they're, they're, we're seeing more and more going towards uh, mixed teams. Not much. Uh, um, for the 2019 number, that number was 7.6. Uh, oh, sorry, 6.7. Uh, 6 and for 2020, uh, that number was 7.6. So it's a small improvement. Uh, but not much. And Finland, I mean, Finland was around 5%. They were at 0.1% last year. So the numbers aren't good. 0.1% female founders. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's and just it's ba baffling that we're talking about these small, small levels and it, between all the countries. Uh, it kind of goes to the point of, of the problem. Yeah, yeah especially since 50% of the population is female, I mean, as a starter. so <laughs> Exactly. And then I always get from investors that is trying to understand this and then say, well, it's not 50% women in the tech space or whatever, you know, entrepreneurship space. Um, and then, no, they're right. It's not 50% women. The, the number of women that are um, building companies uh, in entrepreneurship in Nordic is around 30, 25, 30% of women. Uh, and then if you look at the sector that I'm in, you know, the tech space, that number is a little bit below 20%. 
but we can't still with 20% of the women in the space have 0.7% of the funding go- going into That's that. That's crazy, yeah. Right? And the, and, and the interesting thing here that kind of, you know, really uh, got me, I mean, depressed for a day, but then, you know, I got motivated even more, <laughs> was, was that we could see at early stages, right? So pre-seed, seed, they get around one third of the check size compared to male founders. Then when we look at C to series A, meaning they have track record, they have revenue, right? They have Mm. what is needed. Like they already got through those hurdles and and improved what is needed to be proved. Only, you know, uh, there's a drop off by 52 and a half percent in check size. For female founders from seed to series A. What, what happens there? Again. What happens? Proving it, well, that's the thing. It proves again, there's a lot of biases against female founders. That's continuously, mm. and we call it the female founder penalty. And, and this is another angle, as you know, we don't measure ethnicity um, I, I, for many reasons in Europe, but we know Uh, And we try to survey what we call then diverse founders beyond gender uh, to see how they are experiencing this because we don't know the numbers when it comes to ethnicity. But what we know is if female founders are getting 0.7%, it's even smaller for founders with different kind of ethnicities here in the Nordics. Just like you said before, I think it's interesting how Scandinavians would like to talk about equality and we're this really progressive state. But just looking at Sweden, where we're all from, we've never had a female uh, prime minister, for example. And I think that says a lot. I think men here, obviously me included, and I think we have a problem of giving women authority and giving them responsibility in a way, which your report shows. And your report, I have to say, it looked amazing. I don't know who you hired to the UX and the web development, but it looked amazing. Uh, even I understand it, and I'm not the sharpest, <laughs> sharpest tool in the shit. Uh, but I was uh, wondering about, uh, I think it's, I don't know what to call it. I'm not really into all these like uh, terms within investing, but what would you call something like a full full circle female startup or whatever? So by that, I mean, for example, you have a femtech startup that makes service exclusively for women and that is also owned by women and also backed by women investors and uh, venture capitalists. What do you call that kind of, is that a thing? Do you call it like a full circle? Yeah, I mean, well, it it is an underventured market. Uh, I don't think underventured even is a word anymore, but uh, (laughs) overlooked market. Um, But but here's the thing, and thank you for those words. And I really appreciate having this conversation with three white men. I just have to say that because here's the thing. We have to have these conversations and then we have to come to an agreement. You know, where do we build the bridges and from work angle do we do the work together? Because we're seeing this as a female founder problem. What is really, right? Um, Usually the men, that's all. It's usually us. It's always that. And you are (laughs) right. I mean, we were perceived as one of the most gender equal regions in the world. Every number, unfortunately, is showing we're lagging behind. We're falling several numbers. I think we're down at number 35 or something. And we were top five. Um, And I think 
a problem to this is we've had a, a bottom-up approach for centuries, right? We had, uh, there isn't that much that has changed. And if we look at, you know, then the whole structure, because then we have to look at what is happening, you know, behind, behind, you know, prior to entrepreneurship, prior to women choosing entrepreneurship, then mm. we can see, you know, women are not getting the same uh, salaries. So there's a salary uh, gap there. Um, that obviously makes it a, a part of, you know, why don't they turn to entrepreneurship if we look at from a financial aspect. Mm. Um, but then if we look dig, dig deeper, women are not promoted in the same way as men are. There's a huge nepotism, right, uh, yeah. that we need to tackle. It doesn't matter what industry, what ecosystem. Nepotism is the death of equality in the Nordics. <laughs> Uh, and I think we have to then attack, like we do and, and acknowledge, we don't have the best people working, you know, according to what they should be working with. And I think as, as a whole, it's a structural problem. Um, and as a number, you know, coming as an immigrant founder myself, you know, the Swedish society consists of 25.9% uh, of foreign borns and, and, how much of representation do you see that in any layer mm. level? Mm. Nora, I have a question. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th this topic is is uh, close to our hearts, even if we are uh, male, um, white male guys here in, uh, in in the Nordics, right? But uh, you know, I've interviewed Sofia Benz, uh, angel investor and venture capitalist. She has invested a lot uh, in, in in female. Uh, founded companies. We've uh, interviewed Backing Minds, uh, also a VC firm but, um, founded by two women, etc. Right? And and but uh, you know the topic coming back again and again is, uh, as you also point out, it's a structural problem that starts already. I would say in in in, in the in the crib, you know, or in, in daycare, in school, preschool. You know, it it it, it starts um, at a very early age. There's lack of role models. Um, Etc. Media is uh, obviously also very biased in in the way they report uh, about uh, f successful founders, etc. But now, if we look into the future, Nora. So this is my question: What would be the solution to solve this? Is there a is a clean solution, or how complex is this to solve? Well, here's the thing: it's not complex, but it requires work. That's the only thing. And I think we're at a level now, it's the same thing with the climate crisis, right? There's a, there's a societal crisis that we're not acknowledging that is affecting everything, but we're kind of picking and choosing a little bit because I think like you mentioned, we are so focused on, well, we need to do some, you know, talk about the next generation, that we're not committing to or acknowledging what is going on with the current generation and what has been going on with the previous generation. So I think really there's, it's us, it's not them. So we have to be very honest about, you know, first of all, measure your data. Be very honest about, you know, I want to start or I need to start because that's what the point we are at today. You need to start because we are losing on the innovation we so desperately need. But measure data. Look at how it looks like when it comes to representation. Ask yourself, 
why it looks like this. Because as you yourself mentioned, because it's a structural problem and it starts at, at cradle crib, um, we know that if the current ecosystem is excluding such a huge amount of you know, people, then it's the current you know, we have to solve. It's not the next. It's the current. So we can't build on, you know, more women in, in, in tech through uh, education, right? Because when they're educated and they come to the tech industry, they leave because the tech industry is not creating, you know, hmm. um, advantages for them. So measure your data. Look at a type of representation that, that, that you have and, very, and be very transparent about it and set goals. Set goals, because when you set clear goals and be public about it, no one is going, everyone is going to cheer you on. I know that that's when you really start making results in a very short amount of time. Nora, I feel like we can talk about this forever. There's so much to still unpack here, but we have to wrap it up. Uh, just to, to end with, uh, where can people find this report and where can they, uh, if they want to know more, if they want to interact with you guys, uh, just uh, give us an intro to how to, to get in touch with you. Thank you. So we're very accessible. Unconventional.vc is our webpage and you can reach the report and the previous reports there and the conclusion and the recommendations that we do have set in place. And when it comes to us, it's very simple. It's Nora at unconventional.vc or my amazing partner Thea at unconventional.vc. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Nora. It was a pleasure. And to our listeners, I'll make sure to put the uh, the link to the report in our, on our website with the episode. So, too Thank good to you. miss. Thank you, Eddie. All right, that was a great conversation with Noura Bave. I'm so glad we have guests on the show. Uh, guys, thank you so much for this week. Uh, what are you looking forward to in the week to come? Roland? <clears throat> yeah, well, on Monday, I'm going to... Uh, participate in CIME. Uh, it's uh, the tech conference that has been uh, going on now for many, many years in in Stockholm. And um, I'm going to also host one of the breakout sessions in the afternoon on industrial digitalization. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Wonderful, wonderful. I also want to plug uh, uh, an activity of mine. I, we have the first, uh, my first column in Svenska Dagbladet. Uh, yeah, I'm their new tech and lifestyle uh, columnist starting as of uh, tomorrow, Saturday, the, the 20th. So Congratulations, Conrad. Keep an eye out for that. And uh, one of the, the conditions for, for contributing is that we plug Scandinavian mind, of course. So um, that's, uh, I, I walk, look at this as both as a way to, to uh, take a lot of the research and stuff that we do in Scandinavian mind, applying it, but also it's kind of like marketing, right? Eric, what about you? What are you looking forward to in the week to come? Uh, like I said, I'm turning into this uh, walking lonely planet of Scandinavia, and next week we're going to Ulo, Finland again, <laughs> with the uh, architect uh, Lauri Lokari. So I don't know; it's, it's called like Olbori in Swedish, I think, but Ulo. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. And I love the 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 various local pronouncement. We always like to <laughs> to bring those forth. Uh, and when we we always <laughs> like we, we we keep some of the sort of Scandinavian and Swedish grammar all, also in, in even though we, we write and talk in English and we always encourage a good <laughs> or uh, uh in in our headlines. 
All right, so you've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind Weekly uh, with me, Conrad Olsson, Roland Fripp Kretschmar, and Erik Sedin. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Uh, visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter to get the latest invites and, and updates. Uh, until next time, goodbye.